with anybody. Make you wise up. No make that scam you. <laughs> this message now from Koda Microfinance Bank, the bank of the free. Make you download Kuda for Play Store or for App Store to open accounts. Make you start to enjoy our wolf banking. <laughs> I am Simone Cipriani. And I'm Claire Press. You are listening to the Ethical Fashion Podcast. Get ready for another season of the EFI Podcast Series. Change starts at the grassroots level from the collective efforts of people. This Friday at 12.15 to 1pm. This series will explore topics relevant today more than ever. The systems that we live in are operating with 100% efficiency to Through the voice of African creatives and leaders hosted by Simone Cipriani and Claire Press, the series explores issues driving the conversation around ethical fashion. The discussions featuring African leaders and creatives range from female power and wildlife conservation to African entrepreneurship. Right here on 99.3 Nigeria Info. Let's talk. Oh boy, check this new Lacacera packaging now. Polo say the freshness don't fresh. Missing a lie. The refreshment, not fresh. Not the matter with the set to so. Eh, hey, bring and make us. Wait, why now? Hey, hey, hey. Same ultra apple taste. Fresh new label. Ah, the refreshment don't fresh. Enjoy the fresh vibes of Lacacera with new colorful, exciting look. Also, the bamba apple taste, no change. Lacacera, I love this drink. Hey, Rent Money will lend you up to 6 million naira in 24 hours for business or personal needs. So, for loans of up to 6 million naira, visit rentmoney.com or call 0700. 5,500. Call us now. Our phone lines are open till 11 p.m. Mondays to Fridays. Need money? Rent money. 99.3 Nigeria Info. Your number one. On 99.3 Nigeria Info. Nigeria now has a new acting inspector general of police. His Usman Baba, a deputy inspector general of police. Meanwhile, the federal government is assuring Nigerians that the security situation in parts of the country will improve drastically in the days ahead. The U.S. state government is investigating Monday's attack on a prison facility and police headquarters in the state's capital, while a security consultant, Mike Ejiofo, has berated the former police inspector general, Mohamed Adamu, for blaming members of the indigenous people of Biafra, IPOP, for the attacks in Oweri. The chief of air staff says efforts are still ongoing to recover the crashed NAF Alpha Jet aircraft, which was declared missing on the 31st of March. And today, workers in various sectors have begun indefinite strike actions. They include the Judiciary Staff Union of Nigeria, the Academic Staff Union of Polytechnics, and the workers at the Federal Capital Territory Administration. On the foreign scene, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is urging people to keep getting vaccinated following debate about a potential link between the AstraZeneca jab and blood clots. And finally, North Korea will not be taking part in the Tokyo Olympics this year to protect the country's athletes from COVID-19. Those were the headlines here at 99.3. Nigeria Info, you're listening to Hard Facts. I'm Yvonne Ochaifo. This is Hard Facts.
Right, uh, welcome back. And um, it's uh, 99.3 Nigeria Info. And a uh, big discussion we're having uh, this afternoon is uh, one which is going to go in different uh, directions. Uh, no thanks to, uh, well, depends on what side of the divide you fall in, um, to what has happened in the last um, hour, a couple of hours, last two hours or thereabout where the president has approved the appointment now of uh, D.I.G. Usman al-Kali Baba as the acting inspector uh, general of police, which takes immediate effect. I was listening to uh, the Minister of Police Affairs a short while ago, Mohamed Megari Dangiyadi, uh, as he uh, briefed State House uh, correspondence about it. And um, even earlier before that, uh, speaking with Kabir Adamu, Kabir Adamu is a security expert and a good uh, friend also too, and um, an expert in this matters. Uh, great to have you, Kabira Dambu, join us um, this afternoon on 99.3 Nigeria Info. Thank you very much. Um, good evening. Excellent. And how, and how is Abuja? Uh, I'm cool and um, I would say calm in security <laughs> balance. Uh, nothing uh, major to, to worry about. Uh, so we are cool and calm. Right. Better to be cool and calm than um, rockers like we found out um, in the last couple of days in the southeast where we're going to focus on. Remember, you can join the conversation on 99.3 Nigeria Info on Twitter at um, uh, 99.3 Nigeria Info FM, as well as um, uh, hashtag um, Nigeria Info HF, or, uh, and also our Orbo uh, handle. You can also uh, questions and comments on WhatsApp 0809597 uh, 5805. Um, just some more information for those of you who are asking about. Um, the acting inspector general of police who was promoted to the rank of uh, DIG just December last year. He was in charge of the Force Criminal Investigations Department. He holds a master's degree in public administration and a Bachelor of, uh, of Administration Education degree in political science, a fellow of the National Defense College and a member of the International Association of Chiefs of Police. Uh, he's attended several professional courses and workshops uh, from Yobe State. He's also had held several strategic positions uh, in the country, as well as in the police, rather, which include um, AIG in charge of Zone 5 in Benin, uh, Zone 4 in Makodi, uh, Zone 7 um, in Abuja. He's also been Commissioner of Police in charge of the Federal Capital Territory in Abuja. So rich resume. He's also served as an acting DIG in charge of uh, force finance and administration as well as the force secretary. Uh, Cabrera Damo, before we get into um, the South, it's interestingly the now um, interestingly the now um, uh, outgone Inspector General of Police. But before, before we, before we um, go there, I think we now have um, the audio track of Mohammed Megari Dangayadi as he uh, made the announcement. So let's listen to this, um, Kabiru, then I would uh, uh, come back and get your reactions to this uh, story and uh, we move into the Southeast. All right, um, just try and fix that um, shortly. Um, all right, so we have it now. To reject the security architecture of the country to ensure that security challenges bedeviling the nation are brought to an end. Mr. President has therefore charged the new appointee to rise to the challenge 
to ensure policy and reform policy of this administration are fully prioritized and implemented to enable the police perform most effectively for the peace and security of lives and property of all Nigerians. Mr. President, thanks the outgoing IGP, Mohamed Abakra Adamu, for his professionalism and dedication to duty during the period of his tenure. He wished him all the best in his future endeavors. All right, there you have had um, Mohamed Megheri Dangiadi, who is the Minister of Police uh, Affairs. All right, so um, Kabira Damu, um, this comes to you as a surprise. Um, so, because somehow this is also tied to what is also going on because um, the outgoing uh, Inspector General of Police uh, uh, currently is in um, Oweri, the Imo State capital. Um, yeah, yes, in, in, in a way, not, not exactly, uh, mm. in the sense that the controversies that have surrounded the elongation of the tenure of the, well, now immediate past uh, Inspector General of Police, and the fact that the security situation in the country has unfortunately mm. degenerated. And I must say, in my honest professional opinion, not really because of his fault, um, the issues are not particular or peculiar to any particular organization. Mm. They are systemic issues, mm. and it would be very unfair to uh, you know, single out one organization and blame it for the circumstances. And to that extent, mm. uh, I have the same concern for the incoming, um, you know, Inspector General of Police. Mm. He's going to inherit the systemic challenges. Uh, he's going to inherit a structure that breeds um, insecurity, unfortunately, mm. and he will be forced to respond to this uh, development without necessarily having the authority and wherewithal to address those issues because they are not law enforcement issues, they are political mm. issues mm. and all that. So to a large extent, I feel in a way sorry for the immediate past Inspector General of Police. He's mm. a brilliant gentleman. Uh, one of the, in terms of the pedigree of policemen, mm. one of the best that this country will have in terms of its, in terms of its academic mm. and um, his professional standing. And of, unfortunately, we have seen, uh, despite his attempt, what uh, his inability to address these huge, cha these huge challenges that have afflicted the country and almost throughout his tenure, mm. uh, those challenges have come up from time to time. Mm. Uh, so if history is going to look back at him, mm. history will look back with this single, uh, I would say, statement, his inability to address this huge uh, security threats that have afflicted the country. Mm. Uh, ironically, I, w I was just watching visuals of the Inspector General of Police, the, the now former Inspector General of Police uh, in Oweri, you know, as he was talking to uh, men and officers of uh, the Nigeria Police saying, uh, go out and do X, Y, and Z. We're going to make sure things happen. And all of that without most likely, in fact, unlikely that he had any knowledge of uh, this shakeup going to happen. Um, a number of callers have uh, pointed pointed out to me that um, this this does something really really wrong for the morale of um, the, the of the police officers who probably accompany him and going by every single thing he said while on this tour. Exactly, mm. uh, and I, I think that this is one of the points that has come come up over time. 
this um, inability of especially uh, very senior police officers to have an idea of when they are going to depart the service. Some have even um, hinted at it as being behind the, cor- the speed of corruption within the system. Mm. Uh, of course, it's also, I- I'm aware of a particular um, senior ranking police officer who found himself in such a situation, mm. but in his own case, it was more a transfer uh, just before his retirement age mm. that perhaps may have put him in a psychological uh, state of mind mm. that no person who is about to retire should, should enter. Mm. So I, I think that inability of the police, especially service um, commission now, mm. to have a clear uh, pattern mm. of um, especially both um, on, on boarding and of boarding mm. for even the person of the IIG, mm. it speaks largely about how the entire police system is being managed. Uh, but then I, I know others would say, well, uh, it's, it's an appointment and an appointment can be terminated at any point in time. Mm. But then the truth of it is that uh, you want to have at least some level of certainty that would allow you to manage uh, the work or job responsibility you've been, um, you know, uh, given. That's mm. the only way that perhaps, uh, you know, that, that psychological burden would not so much be on you. Mm. The, the psychological burden. And, and it's also a burden that the new IG and the entire security hierarchy is probably thinking about with what has happened in Emo State. We've had about 24 hours um, more than to sit back and uh, assess the damage and the carnage that has happened um, in in emo state, um, from your experience, you know, over the years, having seen um, the, the Boko Haram terror attacks, from the attacks um, when it first put itself in the limelight on the police, interestingly, uh, the police headquarters in Abuja, then, um, and you look at what is happening now, the uh, police seem to point fingers at uh, IPOB and ESN, which is. Um, a branch of IPOB, from its preliminary investigation being behind what has happened. And um, they've come out and said, no, we're not involved in this. But away from the politics and, you know, help us understand when you see the caliber of weapons that were used in this um, attack, what does it tell you as a security expert? It makes me very worried. Hmm. Uh, That's really in summary, how I will, con- I will put this worried because these are military grade weaponry mm. these are weapons that should not be in the hands of civilians mm. and they are as it were in the hands of non-state actors mm. and these non-state actors have taken their time mm. to understand how to use them mm. what in security balance we call the TTP techniques and the patterns of their deployment. They mm. understand that, they understand what to do mm. to achieve their purpose. Uh, that's one, too. I also was able to deduce that to a larger extent, uh, this group undertook a very extensive, um, as it were, uh, surveillance mm. and pre-attack uh, op- operation where they were able to study mm. uh, the two locations, mm. understand the kind of um, responses that they were likely to encounter. Mm. And so they came prepared mm. with that type of heavy 
heavy weaponry. Mm. Um, so clearly demonstrating that this is an attack against the state mm. and its inst- coercive instruments mm. and that is meant to send a message, a political message, mm. that we are ready and mm. we are coming. Mm. And what that goal, whatever goal is, uh, it may be, uh, as some would have said, the president has used the word terrorism. Mm. Uh, others have used the word secession. Mm. Um, that, uh, you know, that is sort of an objective that this group, whenever they want to, they can go for it. Uh, the second message mm. is, uh, there is this proverb in the northern part of the country in Hausa mm. that uh, you chew a stone in order to warn um, you know, the other fruit that is in your mouth. Mm. Uh, so in other words, if they are attacking hard targets mm. that are supposed to be protected, what of soft targets like politicians and other individuals in the state who may want to oppose their, their action. Mm. Uh, they know that you know there's no level of protection that would prevent them if they want to get at them. So we are very worried, really, um, mm. demonstrating to me that mm. uh, an insurrection is about to start mm. and that this insurrection uh, is perhaps being pu- uh, implemented mm. by very organized mm. and very determined groups. Mm. You know, for many years, we've talked about intelligence gathering and the intelligence gathering has moved now to an assessment of what sort of intelligence we've been able to gather to intelligence failure um, from the Chibok incident and, and many, many other incidents over the years that has shown um, huge gaps in the way our security uh, in the country happens. Not, not just in the southeast, all across the country. We've seen this happened over and over again where attacks will go on for hours and there will be no intervention from state actors. Um, what, what, what would you say in terms of, um, we know that the, the government in 2009 after Boko Haram disappeared when they were chased away, uh, looked the other way and didn't realize that something was happening um, underground until the attacks happened. Um, at the police headquarters and the UN uh, regional office in Abuja and a series of attacks happened and the profile of that group till today um, has been catch up with the way security operators have been going against them. The same thing is happening with the bandits. They've moved away from petty crimes uh, towards kidnapping and the same use of high caliber weapons. Now, this group that is behind this, while the initial investigation, according to the police, points to IPOB or the ESN, or maybe some other unknown group. Would you call it a failure, even if it's IPOB, not to realize how the dynamics has changed so quickly from a group probably uh, was using, you know, uh, small, sophisticated, small weapons, not even sophisticated, towards using RPGs and um, uh, military-grade weapons? What happened to intelligence in your, in your thinking? Uh, so, a couple of things. The reality is that in the last few years, the intelligence uh, capabilities of the Nigerian state has weakened. Mm. Um, we're not really sure why that has happened. However, uh, we know that um, it's the consequence of the weakening of the intelligence capabilities mm. has become obvious. Mm. Uh, one of them is the scenario you just painted, where uh, you know they say it's teaching time, phase nine. Mm. Small issues emerge. They are not managed, mm. and then before you know it, they become huge issues that are threatening the state, as it were. Mm. Uh, then other issues that are not so major, but mm. 
that may have been hijacked by anarchists. A good example is the NSAS protest. Mm. Uh, we saw how the state was caught off guard without really having a hint on what was happening. Mm. And I've tried to analyze this to ask critical questions why. Mm. So number one, um, the main sources of intelligence generation are basically two, even mm. though you can spread that into a couple of other factors. Mm. But you have human, which is human intelligence, mm. where you use humans to mm. generate intelligence. Mm. Then you have techin, which is technical intelligence. Now, mm. there are, like I said, there are several variants of this. You could have signal, which is signal intelligence, mm. and name them. All of them can be subsumed under the two that I mentioned. Mm. But in today's world, you have um, the cyberspace, mm. where a lot of the traffic um, in fact, the traffic in the cyberspace is more than the traffic in the human world, as it were, if I use that word. If you separate the physical world where you and I exist and mm-hmm. the cyberspace, mm-hmm. the traffic in the cyberspace is more than in the human world. Mm. Um, so you could have volumes of information that is almost impossible for the human mind to process, mm. which is why the computer became the easiest way to process information. Mm. And then in today's world, you also have AI to mm. now help process that information. So my understanding is that the Nigerian intelligence community has found itself, um, as it were, in the backseat and unable to take advantage of modern technology, Mm. including uh, things like AI. Mm. And so you've got the web where you and I operate. You've got the dark web or the deep web. And unfortunately, a lot of security issues happen in the dark web and deep web. Mm. And for you to be able to be effective in the great modern world, Mm. uh, you have to have that capability to harvest intelligence in the cyberspace. Mm. And I think that is uh, unfortunately where we're failing. Mm. The third point Mm. um, is also the issue of corruption. Mm. Um, Nigeria does not manufacture... Uh, you know, high-caliber weapons. Mm. Almost all the high-caliber weapons we saw, uh, you know, that was used by the attackers mm. were imported. Mm. Now, uh, how were they imported? Mm. Uh, two or three possibilities. Land borders, mm. through the sea, mm. or through our airport. How many times have we seen an attempt to import weapons through the airport and then the customs at some time arrest them? Mm. But you never hear of prosecution. You never hear of in-depth investigation to find out where the sources of these weapons are mm. and then blocking them. Because you, ha- you have to be proactive. Mm. When you get such a case, you go deep down, find out if it's a one-off case mm. or it's a ring or a network that right. is a gun-running network that has been you know, exploiting gaps in our security architecture to bring you weapons. Right. So that you block those um, you know, gaps and then you reduce the inflow of weapons. But just, just to conclude, right. uh, I just recently concluded a study. Mm. And my study indicated that there are about 6.5 million small arms and light weapons in circulation in Nigeria. Mm. And that out of these 6.5 small arms and light weapons, mm. only about 600,000 is in the hands of the security agencies. Now, because only. Six, yes, only about 600,000. So that means about 5 and point something. Um, million mm. in the hands of non-state actors. Now you can categorize those non-state actors as those that were licensed mm. and those that have not been licensed. And I can bet you mm. those that were are licensed can probably not be up to 500,000. So mm. give or take there are about 5 million small arms and light weapons in circulation in the hands of non-state actors. Mm. And that is the reality that the Nigerian state is facing mm. and that we are not dealing with 
assiduously like we should deal with. Mm. If we are going to move forward, that is one critical uh, area we need to look into. Mm. Attempt to, uh, as it were, um, eradicate or con- contrain, control mm. uh, the small arms and light weapons that are in the hands of non-state actors and other individuals and um, groups that should not have them. Mm. I see the light bulbs um, popping up everywhere and we try to get an um, understanding of what is happening here. In case you just join on uh, 99.3 Nigerian phone hatback. We have Kabiru Adamo, who is a security expert, and we're looking at the security implications of the attack that happened in Imo State, audacious attack uh, on the correctional facility, which saw at least 1,800 uh, people freed, and uh, police headquarters where it's happened. I was trying to get look for the statement put out by the police um, hierarchy yesterday following these attacks in terms of what the investigations are, but uh, I'll, I'll find that shortly. But Kabiru, when, when you think about... Um, this important thing I was, I was trying to remember here. Good. When you when you think about all that has played out and then uh, um, asking questions about how we can move from the agricultural manual way of investigation and crime detection towards the sophisticated, you mentioned the criminals are using things like uh, the dark web and uh, they're online, you know, putting out a lot of things in how they plan all of these uh, deadly attacks. What would you say, I read a piece you put out some time back saying it is impossible to have the military in 36 states of the country and the FCT. Um, now they're deploying more troops to the southeast in response to what has happened. How how far can we stretch this as the option in dealing with um, this sort of problems when they happen? Uh, the, tr- the truth of it is security uh, is not the prerequisite, as it were, of the military. Yes, the military is more or less the lead agency when it comes to defense, but mm. especially internal security. Mm. I think it's um, a misnomer that in Nigeria we look at the military to handle internal security. So that's the first thing, and it's a product, unfortunately, of our um, military history, really, of military rule, mm. to the extent that today we are woken up and we are seeing the military as being responsible for uh, internal security. And unfortunately, even the, given the fact that we spent almost about 10 years in a mm. port republic, that has that is yet to be changed. And I think that, if you ask me, that's the number one thing that we should change. Mm. Um, now, to change that would require uh, for us to understand the role of each and of the 27 ministries, departments, and agencies, including the military that is involved in security. Mm. Um, each of them has a role. We are talking of small arms and light weapons. More or less, it's the responsibility mm. of both the um, customs and immigration mm. before you even talk of the police, because the police is when these weapons are into the country. Mm. While they are outside the country, the responsibility, as it were, of the um, this internal security department to take care of them. But today, everybody talks and about the military. Mm. And um, I think uh, the major challenge, mm. uh, as, as far as I can see it, is um, for us to understand the coordination element that mm. is required in every uh, security, national security arrangement. Mm. Um, we can talk about the role of the military, talk about the police, but mm. if they are not coordinated, mm. then unfortunately we'll never get what we want. Uh, mm. There is a UN recommendation with regards to the police. Mm-hmm. I hear people saying that the police does not have enough personnel. I, 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 don't, I don't believe in that. Mm. Um, for my, for my, my point, mm. when, I, when I always say that is, we need to bring the road safety. Mm-hmm. We need to bring the civil defense. Mm-hmm. Name them, all of them together. It is when we bring them that that will now understand whether these 
personnel or not are, are shot. Mm. Uh, if we look at the police only as a single unit without considering the other 27, then they will always be shot. Mm. But if they are coordinated and cooperating together, working towards the same goal, mm. which is the protection of the Nigerian, mm. then you find out that they are probably o- overstaffed. Mm. All right, Kabira Adam, we, we, we're going to go on a short break. I'm going to crave your indulgence. Uh, breaks about about eight, nine minutes. And um, maybe go, quickly grab a, a cup of coffee or soda. <laughs> and then if you've got questions for Kabira Damu, uh, I've seen some questions on WhatsApp. 0809597-5805. You can put all the questions, the comments, and um, a couple of more questions when we come back. And then let's see what we can make. If we can understand what the implications of this attack in Emo State means for the entire country. Welcome back to your number one talk news and sports station. This is Nigeria Info. This is Hard Facts. This is Hard Facts. Alright, welcome back and um, this for the home run. Kabiru Damo, security expert, still here with us. Kabiru. Yep, hello. <laughs> Excellent. I, I, I hope you're able to get something to, um, <laughs> to cool off. Um, it's pretty hot in Lagos here. I don't know what the weather is like in Abuja. I think it's, it's warmer here, uh-huh. honestly. I can't remember when last Abuja was this, this warm. <laughs> Incredible. Let's say we swap places quickly. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, yes, yeah, so big big discussion we're having here. And I see a number of um, comments coming in on Twitter, at Nigeria Info FM, hashtag Nigeria Info HF. Um, and I also see on WhatsApp 0809-597-5805. Again, 0809-597-5805. Don't worry, I'm not lionizing this conversation. I'm going to take your questions. Um, I see you, Tony, from Birmingham, Alabama. And then I will uh, open the phone lines at some point, maybe engage Kabiru with the audience to get the feel of the... Uh, we, we get a lot of listeners, in, in majorly in Lagos, but they're also listeners from outside Lagos. But... Uh, it'd be good to have um, some of the the Lagos hospitality to um, Kabiru. So, um, Tony from Alabama says, um, good afternoon, uh, I'm the guest in the house. I want to ask him from his professional point of view, uh, does he believe that IPOP will be the brain behind the attacks on the correctional facility and the police uh, headquarters, command command headquarters rather, in Emo State? Uh, thanks in advance in the hope. Yes, your question has been asked. I don't know if Kabiru... Uh, you, you think it was um, um, too early for the police hierarchy to say they already had their finger on who was behind this or um, it's, you think it's standard practice? Uh, so we, the, the truth of it is not too long ago, hmm. there was a raid um, in some locations in Nemo State, hmm. specifically in Oweri, hmm. where there was uh, an armed uh, conflict, as it were, between members of this uh, IPOP and the Eastern Security Network mm. and the security forces. Mm. So that one, mm. that uh, is a clear indication that there are cells of mm. um, the Eastern Security Network that are active mm. in Emo State. Mm. Um, number two is statements that have come out from political players within mm. the state mm. have indicated their concern regarding mm. the growing influence mm. and that it were threat of the Eastern Security Network. Mm. Um, and then, of course, mm. um, we're also aware that even the federal government mm. has 
issued certain statements mm. indicating that they are aware of the activities of the Eastern Security Network. Mm. So to that extent, I'm not surprised that mm. the Inspector General of Police, the immediate past, mm. and the presidency has already seen that um, the Eastern Security Network and IPOP has been behind the attack. Mm. Now, the obvious question is, if they had all of that knowledge, mm. why did they allow the, this group to grow mm. and you know, to even be, have the ability to carry out the kind of attack they carried out. Mm. We've touched this in our earlier mm. discussion, mm. but for the sake of who those who didn't hear, yeah, I'll quickly mention. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Nigerian security architecture mm. has become not so effective mm. as it were in mm. managing threats. Mm. Uh, these threats are seen mm. when they are small, mm. and then they are allowed to become big. And unfortunately, when they are big, they now become a bit too difficult mm. to manage, just like the, the monster. And I think that's exactly what happened in the case of mm. Um, mm. this uh, Eastern Security Network. Anyone who is in Nigeria mm. and has been monitoring development mm. would have seen on social media and several other platforms how mm. uh, this group has put out pictures mm. showing that it's training its members mm. and that this training is mm. military-style training. So mm. that is when the intelligence agency should have taken action mm. to identify who these group members are, who was funding them, mm. who is arming them, who is even delivering the training mm. and all that. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Mm. And it's the case we found out in many parts of the country. But well, um, there are fears that this may not be a one-off because of... Um, I mean, people don't use this sort of weapons if they're going out for, uh, let's say, a picnic. I mean, this looks like a long, drawn-out... Um, uh, thought thought process on what they intend to do. Uh, neighboring Abia State uh, put out a, cur- uh, a notice saying they was declaring a curfew uh, because of um, fears of maybe contagion. Well, what, what what do you think? You you think um, th- there's a fear that um, this sort of things could happen on a regular, or this probably is just a one-off? The truth of it is that if this is allowed, um, it's like they have taken a bite. Mm. and they have now seen the effect of the bite. Mm. Uh, the country, for the past 48 hours, mm. uh, one single topic of discussion has been that issue. So right. any group that wants that kind of attention, mm. frankly, it has gotten their attention. Mm. And so mm. it's absolutely necessary. Mm. And I think uh, we don't have a choice, right. but for the Nigerian state to send a strong message by right. identifying both the operational members mm. as well as those that are, you know, supporting them either directly or indirectly, mm. and then um, bringing them to, uh, you know, to to, to book, mm. uh, and that that should not be by sweeping uh, statement like the type that immediate first IG do dot did. Mm. It's rather by gathering evidence, arresting them presenting them before courts of law. Right. And to that extent, not just um, the feminine insurrection that is happening in the southeast, in right. almost all the other security threats across the country. Mm. That is what is needed. Mm. Um, gather evidence, uh, present the perpetrators, the suspects, in mm. a competent court of law, mm. present those evidence to the judges, mm. and then allow the judges to now decide if, for instance, we're accusing this group of under the terrorism law, mm. then what does the law say? Mm. Who has the final mandate mm. to mm. take action on mm. that? Is it mm. the Office of the Attorney General of the Federation? Mm. What role should the police play in that? So these are all the kind of things that I mm. hope to see. Mm. And once we do it, then maybe we would be able to put at least a stop to the spread of mm. 
this contagion that mm. we're mm. seeing in, in the mm. southeast. Mm. If we don't do that and continue along the line of what we're doing, deploying security forces mm. and not a systemic approach to it with, uh, of investigation and other things, then unfortunately, uh, you know, we will we'll not make any significant progress. You know, and while we talk about this uh, on the sidelines, we hear a lot of things um, also to offline, online. Perceptions are very strong, even mm-hmm. when many times they are misconstrued and simply bother around just um, idiocy and uh, conspiracy theories. But you hear things sometimes that cost you, causes you to pause and think uh, just where exactly we are headed as a nation. I know you, you wouldn't like to mix many times politics with security, but politics oftentimes has come into, I, I think you, you did mention as one of the factors also too that has made uh, this whole thing get more, more complex than it is many times. Uh, Oberta Joseph from Shasha says that um, you get, uh, uh, guess that Damu has spoken well, but I want to know if inequality is not among the causes of insecurity um, in the country. I tie that with uh, something from uh, Okweke Ndeni Jagun, who says that um, uh, is, is the politicians that protect... Um, <laughs> I'm trying to read this Okweke Ndeni's <laughs> message, but <laughs> there's a problem when it's written in this way. And um, So he says that, um, my name is Okweke Ndeni, ask your guess who controls all our security agencies. It's the politicians. They're the ones who protect their paymaster. Eight out of ten got their job through slots. Okay, he's asked a question and he's responding to the question too. So <laughs> that's why I guess I got confused. But uh, politics uh, plays a huge role many times. And people don't want to take, out, take actions because they probably be, be criticized by their kinsmen on the one hand. And on the other hand, they could be called ethnic jingoist if they go against a particular group, unfortunately, too. So, uh, you know... Let me sort of give a general overview of where I stand on this without necessarily answering directly mm. the question. Mm. Um, yes, there is a correlation between bad politics and insecurity, uh, a positive one, unfortunately. The, 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 the more uh, terrible the politics is, mm. the more you are likely to see an increase in insecurity. Right. Now, anyone who has seen the releases, my consultancy release, mm. would realize that one of the elements we focus on is the perception mm. and the reality of marginalization. Mm. Now, those are two things. You can stand and perceive that you are being marginalized. Now, it may not be real that you are being marginalized. Mm. Then, it may be real too that you are being marginalized. Mm. Now, the consequence of both are the same. Mm. Whether it is true or not, as long as you have that perception, mm. then you are likely to seek for ways to sabotage the state mm. because you believe the state is not fair mm. against you. Mm. So mm. that this is playing a key role in the Southeast. Mm. There is this overwhelming uh, perception mm. that the Nigerian state has not been fair to the Southeast. Mm. They point to issues like having only five states mm. uh, when the other regions have six states. Mm. Uh, they point to the fact that they've never produced a president mm. uh, since it, you know, you know, in, in all the republics that, we, that we've had anyway, apart from the first republic when a prominent member of that a part of the country played a, a key role. Mm. But beyond that, um, that perception is deeply embedded mm. in the majority of um, residents and persons mm. from the southeast. Mm. Now, is, is, is that perception real? When you sit with um, analysts, mm. some would, would 
you know, tell some of this perception that's not mm-hmm. been real. As an example, mm-hmm. uh, some would say the reason why there are five states in the Southeast is because of land, land space, not because uh, uh, someone really wanted to just give the Southeast um, six, six, five states as it were. Mm-hmm. So, but the reality is that that perception is leading to a lot of security challenges, mm-hmm. and therein lies the role of politics. So back to the earlier question asked mm. by one of the um, listeners, right. when he says, is it IPOP mm. that carried out the uh, the attack? Mm. Now, the answer is yes. But did IPOP carry it to achieve their own objectives? Mm. Or were they wittingly or wittingly engineered by mm. perhaps someone in the background mm. to carry out the attack? Mm. The possibility is there. Mm. There is enough um, fact out there to suggest that there is a split even within I- IPOP, mm. and that perhaps one of the splinter groups is being led by political forces. Mm. Um, the incident that happened in Ebonyi, mm. despite the overwhelming e- evidence that perhaps it is the hardmen or Fulanis that were there, mm. there is a suggestion that there is a political angle to it. So mm. that's the kind of um, situation that we find ourselves where there is uh, this perception mm. or the reality of marginalization. It allows, unfortunately, for mm. political players to manipulate the situation and create security challenges that will be very difficult mm. for you to understand un- unless you are able to lift these layers of what looks like the obvious reasons. Beneath those obvious reasons, you now find the real reason. Mm. Mm. It's, it's, um, it's a convoluted box if you ask many people. Um, I will take one call. Um, it will take one call as we uh, bring... Um, the, the, how time flies when you're having a great discussion. And I told Kabira Damu that well, on radio, time just flies, huh? unlike TV too, you know. But uh, we definitely will get you back in again to look at many of these um, security issues because security security has been on our minds and probably will be on our mind for a long, long time uh, until we get some sort of um, reprieve uh, because um, it's something that continues to bother every single one of us. Mr. Abudu is calling in uh, from Yaba here in Lagos. Um, Hello, Mr. Abdu. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Yeah. And uh, good evening to your, to your guest online. So, hello. Yes, he can hear you too. Go ahead, please. Yeah, all right. So, um, what I want to say is that it is too early for the authorities to assume that it was IPOB or ESN that caused the mayhem in a way. Hmm. You see, because one of the fundamental rules in intelligence work is don't assume anything. You have to investigate first. You know, in a situation, you know, a, a man and his wife fought yesterday. The next morning, the woman was found dead. The assumption would go, oh, is the husband that killed her or they quarreled yesterday. Hmm. But upon proper investigation, you'll find out that, oh, it was the younger brother that killed her over family property. Hmm. Or it could be the man she jilted about three years ago to marry this present husband that hmm. killed her. Hmm. So without investigation, you would just jump, uh, it was the husband they fought yesterday. Hmm. So the inspector general of police that they sent out, he, he was very, very presumptive. It doesn't show any intelligence mm. for him to just jump to the conclusion. He could say it is likely to be uh, IPOB, mm. but we are investigating. But for him to come out categorically to say it was IPOB, mm. it doesn't show any intelligence at all. Mm. Thank mm. you so much. All right. Uh, thank you very much, um, uh, Mr. Abudu. Uh, Kabera Damu. 
Kabir, Kabir, are you still there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, did you uh, did you get you got what um, the the caller said, Mr. Abadou? Unfortunately, no. You may. Oh have my good, good, good. Well, he he sort of thought that the police were too quick to jump into conclusions. Uh, a number of people I'm seeing are saying that uh, they probably could have said we think they are responsible, not say anything altogether, but just to blame IPOB and ESN. Uh, he he thought it was premature. Okay, I mean, what I'm going to tell him is this: one of us has the retinue or the uh, pool of um, intelligence or information that is available to the police. Mm. And mm. so um, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt mm. because I have a fair idea of the kind of information that come their way. Mm. And so if for them to make such a categorical statement, it's very likely that mm. uh, they have information that is not privy to the public. Mm. Uh, mm. In a democratic setting, it's absolutely important that they are transparent mm. and make at least some aspects of that information public mm. so that Nigerians are not left in doubt. Mm. Uh, already there is a huge distrust Mm. between the citizens and mm. the police and other security agencies. Mm. So this type of situations don't, don't help them, uh, mm. you know, breach uh, mm. that, that uh, distrust. Mm. Um, mm. Coming out with at least some level of, mm. uh, you know, information to confirm or uh, support the activation or allegation, I mm. think would help uh, mm. the police in, the, in this instance. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Kabira Adamo. It's all great pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much for having me. All right, thank you. And um, uh, that brings an end to Hat Fact today. Uh, Kabira Damu, security expert and a great guy. And um, we'll, we'll, this is just the beginning of several conversations we're going to have around uh, security and its implications and across uh, several areas. Um, we have one more thing to do, which is um, to make um, to make someone. 10,000 Naira richer. And um, that will happen just a minute. Forgive the pun. In just a minute, we're going to go on a break and we'll have uh, a winner uh, for today's edition. I hope you had yourself a great um, time, an opportunity for you to express yourself. I still think we don't talk enough. Keep talking, talking, talking about it until we're able to make a shift, a seismic shift in the system. It may not be seismic, but it will happen eventually um, when we talk about these issues and we move those who have been elected into office to make those decisions that will make change inevitable. All right, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, it'll be just a minute. <laughs>